don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. What is going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us on the DLC Dynasty Lifecycle Podcast. Um, I will be your host today. Unfortunately, Ian is not your regular host. Your regular host, Ian, will not be here due to uh, having a family emergency. He had to fly um, back to the Dominican. Um, but we do still have Joey Guerrero here. Yep. And joining us today for the first time is be Matt Couture. Hello, hello. Uh, but yeah, so as usual, just follow us um, Twitter, Instagram. Um, our handle is DLC Fantasy. And feel free, you know, follow us. We'll follow back. We'll have a good interaction. And so you're not you're not going to introduce the guest. You're just going to say, "Hey, it's Matt," and that's it. It is Matt. What else does he want? Say, "Hey, Matt, we played Dynasty with him. Good friends." I don't even like him. That's fucked. That's all right. All right. All right. right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so for for people that are just joining us and Matt, this is the first podcast together. So just kind of um, our standards, what we base everything off of. So basically the 12 teams, um, half EPR and non-superflex. There are times that we will talk about superflex, but for the most part, you know, it's just standard 12, 12 half one PPR, um, non-superflex. Enjoy. You want to tell um, what the listeners what we're talking about today? Um, the last time you heard from us, which is a couple weeks ago, I'd say, um, we talked about the sophomore running backs, um, you know, rookies who uh, were, yeah, were rookies in 2020. Now we're going into the sophomore wide receivers. And it's uh insane class, I'd say. Future is bright at wide receivers. Yeah, the these uh second wide receivers, they're 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 the real deal. They, they did incredibly well last year. But yeah, Matt, so why don't uh why don't we kick it off with a consensus number one um second wide receiver in Justin Jefferson? Why don't you talk a little bit about him? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't think we'll see a wide receiver class quite like this. Um you know, we start off with Jefferson, Justin Jefferson. His his rookie year was well record setting. Basically, uh, he passed Anquan Bolden for I believe it was the most yards in a rookie season. Sixth overall in wide receivers and PP, uh, PPR. Same with half. Same with standard. Um, One hundred twenty five targets. That's rate top twenty tier in the NFL. Eighty receptions. That's also top twenty. And then you really get into the juice of what made him so good. 1,400 receiving yards, top four, I believe. Yep, four in the NFL. Uh, 11.2 yards per tat, uh, target, very good. And what inc- impressed me the most was 453 yards after catch. It's one thing for a player to get open. There's another thing to a player to, once they get the ball, they know what to do with it. He ranked eighth in the entire NFL, not just obviously among rookies, but in the entire NFL. It's it's really just – it was a rookie season that you kind of look at and you go, that was just spectacular. It, you really it's, – it's an unmatched type of rookie season. Um, I personally have him wide receiver four in all of Dynasty. Um, you know, his 70.4% catch rate was another thing that was very good. Um, you know, overall, it's – 
he put up a season that he can really just build on. There's room for improvement for sure. And, you know, we can go over that and what you guys think. Um, but really, it, his numbers speak for himself. Yeah, like you said, it's crazy that there is still room for improvement. And he just put up record-setting numbers. I mean, the guy averaged 20.27 fantasy points in games where he had over an 80% snap share. That was 12 games. But, I mean, uh, he's already the number one passing option, and Thielen's aging out. Um, people look at the Vikings yeah. and think they're – oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's he was very efficient too, which is what you like to see, especially from a rookie uh, wide receiver. He was able to consistently get open. It's not like – you know, some of the people we'll talk about uh, later on here today is he, he was he was there every single game. Yeah, it seemed like every time you were tuning into red zone, they switch over to the Vikings. You see Jefferson doing the gritty across the goal line. It was every week. It was insane. Um, and the Vikings have had this little uh, stigma against them that they're a run-heavy offense, but they took a leap from 466 passing attempts to 516 in 2020. So, I mean, that's it's trending towards a passing offense. It could be because the defense is terrible, but who knows? I mean, if you have yeah, that I mean, weapon obviously... alongside Phelan and you got Irv Smith also coming out, it's, it seems like the sky's the limit for Jefferson. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to run yeah, first. The best thing They're on a run first team for sure. But, I mean, for even for a run first team, he's going to it's he's going to be a starting – just kind of look away and you know he's going to put up the production for you going forward. Yeah, and one of the one of the other things about Jefferson is, I mean, if you drafted him last year in rookie drafts, you weren't paying a top three, five, and most leagues you were barely paying a top ten draft pick for him. So a lot of the owners that got him, they were really happy with where they got him. I mean, Matt, we when we had the rookie draft last year, where did you select? Where did you select um, Justin Jefferson? I believe it was around 12, he went, 15, somewhere around that maybe? No, he went eighth overall, but I I moved really? actually okay. feel I moved feeling for him. If you remember, I moved feeling for him and a third round pick. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, because I remember I know ADP last year, so they have a draft. They have a draft um, projection for him. He was around. He was around the twelfth to the thirteenth coming on the board in most leagues. So and now he actually went a little higher, which makes sense with you there. But yeah, so if the owners that got him, they didn't have to pay the price they did for Judy or the day for or the day for Lamb, which you had to spend a top five pick on him for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember, he's, he was spectacular. I remember we had our startup for a different league, Yusuf, and it got to a point where I was still surprised I didn't highlight his name off. I had to ask around it, did anybody pick Justin Jefferson? And I ended up getting him in like the twentieth round or something. It was insane. You mean oh the rookie? Oh, you mean yeah, the, the startup the draft? Actual year startup ago. draft. It was. Because rookies were flying off the board fast, and I thought he was gone, and I didn't highlight his name, but he fell to me, and I am very grateful. That's yeah. true. Um, all right, Joe. Well, speaking of uh, top end rookies last year, they were drafting around the top uh, top half of the draft. Why don't we talk a little bit about CD Lamb? Uh yes, CD Lamb. Um, he was my number one wide receiver going into the draft last season. Um, an unfortunate turn of events for the Cowboys and all pass catchers with Dak going down. But, I mean, he was just putting up great numbers with Dak. Um, he had 29 receptions for 433 yards and two touchdowns with Dak. I mean, it was it was looking good. They had a great rapport building, and obviously 
he only had four games. I'm not going to count the fifth game because, I mean, wasn't there for the whole thing. But he's looking like he's going to be the future of uh, the Dallas Cowboys with um, what's his name, Mari Cooper. His contract situation and money-wise, that the Cowboys aren't probably going to be keeping him much longer. This could be his last season with Dallas. Um, but, I mean, he was an animal in the slot. He had 877 slot yards, most by a rookie since 2006. And I, he's an insane athlete to be coming out of the slot. He's one of the bigger ones. So, I mean, just dump it off to him. And like, um, like Jefferson, he can – do some work after the catch. Yeah, Joe, I'm glad you mentioned Cooper and the other, you know, and the other and Dak and everything else there because people are worried. They know with Dak there, Cooper there, Gallup, Zeke, he's not going to be as productive as he was those first five, four or five weeks of Dak. But I mean, during that span, so like you said, I think you said he had 433 yards with Dak there. Amari Cooper had 424, Gallup had 348, and Zeke had a total of 537 um, yards. So all those guys were eating at the exact same time. So it's absolutely possible because they proved it through that four to five week span that they can indeed work together. And so having somebody, you know, having a big name like Cooper there and Zeke there, it doesn't really worry me about what his projections will look like. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's just the talents there. It, it, it speaks for itself. I mean, I'm not really worried about Gallup. I'm not even really worried about Cooper taking production from him. That offense is going to be going from behind most games. I mean, no matter what they did on defense this year, they're still going to be chasing teams. Uh, and he, I mean, it's really one A and one B with him and Cooper. He's going to put up top fifteen wide receiver production this year, no doubt. Yeah, and he was dealing with garbage. Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci, and there was another one. I don't even know his name. Doesn't matter, really. Gilbert or something. I have no idea what his name is because it was garbage. And I mean, he was still some weeks putting up numbers, but I mean, it just wasn't consistent. Like you saw. Zeke fall off a cliff once Dak went down. That should be different this year. It should be the offense we all hoped to see last year with Dak going back. Yeah, yeah and then no, he's going to be spectacular, to say the least. I mean, it's the talent's there, like I said, and so it's really just if Dak is healthy and he's back to normal, he's going to put up numbers. It's, it's just like Jefferson. It's another guy that you're going to build your dynasty team around and you're going to be able to just start and really not have to worry about it week in and week out. Yeah. And I mean, bearing any injuries this year, this single year coming up could be the worst of lamb. And I expect him to finish the wide receiver too, simply because Amari Cooper, yes, he has a big deal. He has a big contract, but he has a buyout. He has a buyout after this year. And if they don't pay, if they don't buy him out, he has 20 million a year for the next three years after that. He's incredibly expensive, and I'm assuming Cooper will not be there for the foreseeable future because of his contract. And so I expect this to be Lamb's probably worst year, which is still a wide receiver too, which is still pretty damn good. And then Gallup is also a free agent next year. So if they both leave, he's the number one wide receiver with Dak there. We've seen what Cooper's done with that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, even when Cooper leaves, he's going to be the number one. Exactly. Just Cooper leaves. Yeah, he's already better than Gallup, even though Gallup's a fine talent in himself. But, I mean – you saw what he did with Dak. He averaged 16.3 fantasy points. I mean, that if you span that out throughout the whole season, that's going to be matching what Jefferson did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, we'll take it to our uh, our number three consensus um, second-year wide receiver. And this one's going to be uh, Brandon Ayuk. 
So this one's a little different. Um, we've had debates. He could have been our three. He could have been our four. He, but he's around here. Um, Judy and Liam are our consistent one and two. I mean, they should be everybody's because they were, they were just so damn good. But, I mean, so so is Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he was the 25th overall pick selected out of Arizona, and he has an excellent burst score. He was 92nd percentile. And the thing about him was that – well, the thing with all these rookies was really was that they had no – they had no preseason, you know? They had no preseason that – and the offseason workouts were really limited due to COVID. And this is for every single guy um, we're talking about, but a little more so for Ayuk because he kind of – he had the hamstring injury preseason-wise, and that's why he didn't play week one. So more than the other guys, due to his injury, he actually didn't get a chance to really work with his quarterback and work with his team. But now going to year two, I can definitely see him doing better. But what I have seen, you know, a lot of people kind of fading him. Some of you guys, you know, oh, Kittle missed eight, nine games there. Debo missed pretty much 11 games there. And people are kind of fading him because they're concerned, oh, Debo's coming back, Kittle should be fully healthy. But, I mean, that's not that's not really something that concerns me. Over, overall, like when they did play together, so the only four-week span that they did play together is from week four to seven. And this is the only time all season, all three of them were on the field at the same time. And Ayuk was averaging 10.3 points a game. And that's early in the offseason. He's still learning the playbook. He's still learning the coaches. He's still learning his quarterback. And speaking of quarterback, this is when Jimmy G was hurt. So like Jimmy G didn't play that week four. Nick Mullins was there, and they were kind of transitioning in and out. They were both just garbage. And so kind of to put into perspective that that week where all four, all three of them were there on the field between Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo. So between the weeks four to seven, they were averaging 243 yards a game. So if you compare that to the end of the season stats, the Jets were the worst team in the league. And they were averaging 280 yards a game. So like they were averaging worse than the last league, the last team um, in the league. And if they can do that, if you can have 10 points again, like that with the worst yardage, with no, with no quarterback play, and all three of them there together, I am not concerned with him at all. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he's his raw talent is spectacular. I mean, you could see it when he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, he can just sim- simply make plays. I personally had him number four. Um, I mean, not that that's low, especially with who's who I had above him. My, I do have some worries about the offense and then what, you know, what Lance will be. I love Lance, but how many pass attempts is he going to have in the future per game? But, I mean, overall – the talent's there, and in the end, in the NFL, talent trumps almost anything else. If you're talented, if you can get open, you will produce. And that's really what it all comes down to uh, for a player like him. And so really no matter who's at quarterback, whether it's Jimmy next year or, or Lance, you know, he, he's going to be there and he's going to produce. I think, you know, he can put up top 30 numbers – pretty safely for the coming years. Yeah, like you said, talent trumps all, and he's already the number one wide receiver on his team. Uh, not the number one pass catcher, so we're going to give that to Kittle. But number one wide receiver, absolutely. Um, and also, it's going to be interesting to see when San Francisco transitions Lance in there. Uh, if they start the season with him, because, I mean, historically, rookie um, quarterbacks with their wide receivers, the wide receivers don't fare too well in the first year but not good it gets better but it's not that great so my hopes for this year are not anything spectacular but he's like he's my wide receiver 12 in dynasty might be a little high saying that out loud but i uh believe in the talent very much i would 12 is definitely a little high for me oh yeah that's definitely a little high for me but i mean i i guess i could see it but it is it, it is higher than i would put him I don't, I don't think I'd put him in the wide receiver one category. 
Yeah, I mean, I have them probably about around 20 to 21 range. That's about um, where you know, it, Yeah, I mean, like his talent's there, and so that's why you kind of – you're banking on him. Um, my biggest – like I said, my biggest worry is, you know, when Lance does eventually take over, and whether that is, you know, week one, week eight, or next year, you know, we're talking dynasty, so we're talking long-term here. Is that offense going to be a little bit more like a Lamar Jackson offense? Is it going to be like a Kyle Murray offense where it's a it's a pass first offense with a run mixed in? Or is it going to be Lamar Jackson where it's a run based offense with passes mixed in? Um, and so that's where I really command his floor to ceiling based off what the plan is with Trey Lance. So if if he is if that offense is you know, more towards the the Kyle Murray side of things, his his ceiling's really, you know, top 20 wide receiver pretty consistently. Yeah, I think I'm uh, just getting a little ahead of it, but that's fine. I'd rather be ahead than behind. I mean, there's, there's one thing that uh, we didn't hear, that we didn't really mention yet, um, and that I think will actually help him when, you know, when Trey Lance is, is an with quarterback, and then it's his rushing ability. I believe he had, what, I think two rushing touchdowns last year, which, I mean, it's not much. But if that's the week you're playing him, but that's pretty damn good. You know, it's something to be excited about. And typically, you know, Shanahan likes getting, you know, he likes getting creative, giving his wide receivers the ball to, you know, either go um, either sometimes just a carry or just a goal around. And just, I think with Lance, that could even help it more so. Yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting to see how that offense is with Trey Lance. Um, you know, we've only seen the Shanahan offense with Jimmy, really, and with Jimmy other backups that really aren't that good. Um, you know, so their offense is a pass first offense. I mean, a run first offense through Jimmy. Uh, will it stay that way? I mean, it, I my bet is it's going to be roughly the same, just a little more QB rushes and running back rushes. Um, and so Ayuk will be, you know, top 20 for the years to come probably. All right, so let's transition this over to another wide receiver, to our consensus wide receiver four who's in a very similar situation to, I would say, Ayuk. So in terms of um, Jerry Judy, right? So Jerry Judy is going to get um, Corliss Sun coming back, much like Ayuk is going to get Debo and Kittle coming back full-time. The quarterbacks are up in question. They don't really know who's going to be there. It's going to be Teddy. It's going to be Drew Locke, similar to the 49ers. And the running game is uh, both teams are a pretty good running game, whether it's one dominant running back or just a plethora of them. And when it comes to Judy, he he was really highly scouted last year. He was, I think he was drafted 15th overall. And once once we all saw the sun went down either week one or week two, everybody was just so excited to see what Judy could do. And he didn't really live up, up to the expectation of what people thought he was. If that's either his fault or, you know, the COVID season or just Drew Locke, which I think so. I think it's Drew Locke. Yeah, I think it's Drew Locke as well. But he didn't really live up to what people's expectations were when they drafted him. He was His ADP was, I believe, ADP. He was um, the third overall coming off the, um, off the board, so. Yeah, I think it's a Drew Lock problem because he was second in unrealized air yards, and it just that's pretty good for well, not good for his sake, but as a rookie, if you're getting those deep ball attempts and they're just not coming to, I mean, he, he, his numbers in his season just could have been so much better if Drew Lock knew what the hell he was doing. Um, I'm not counting the Kendall Hinton game, so I only said he on a, yeah through 15 games. He had 856 receiving yards, and only only three receiving touchdowns. I'm pretty sure he dropped a couple touchdowns here and there, but that drops are something you can work on. I mean, 
if you're racking up drops, I guess you're getting targets. They're not going away from you. They're going to you because you are a very, um, very talented wide receiver. And that's exactly what Judy was. He, some people had him as like the number one wide receiver in the 2020 class. Um, he's an elite route runner. Like you watch him do any drills. He's like, digs his foot right into the ground, blows people away. It's insane. And I mean, right now I, I think Judy's is, this is the lowest he's going to be. So I would just go out and buy him if you can. Yeah, I mean, he's he could really be a buy-low target, I guess, when you compare it to second-year wide receivers. Um, you know, his ceiling is – it is very high. My worry for him – obviously, we don't know what the Denver QB situation is going to be, what the production is going to be. Then you got to put in – you know, you got Noah Fant coming in the mix that he is basically on the verge of being a top five to six tight end in this league. You got Sutton coming back. You got Hamler in the mix. Now, you know, I, I don't – not that Hamler had a better rookie season by any means. I Judy kind of disappointed me a little bit last year. Like I said, the talent's there. But my question is what – is he going to be able to take that to another level? You know, he, he is very gifted uh, on the field. But will he be able to break – not only just – separate himself from other weapons in the Denver offense, but is he going to be able to separate himself into that tier of, okay, he is a bona fide number one. And so I don't have him at that level yet. You know, I have him in and around the 25 wide receiver, 25 range uh, in dynasty overall, you know, so depending on how you, you guys view him, you know, he could be a buy low because if you think he's a top, 15 guy going forward, then go and get him because the price probably isn't there. See, I, I, I kind of want to go back to what both of you said, how you were, Matt, you mentioned you were disappointed, and Joe, you mentioned the drops. And I think those major drops were, Matt, a reason you were disappointed. Uh, Judy had, man, his, his drops were fucking, they were horrible. Like, so among the 41 players that received over, th- over 100 um, targets, out of those 41, Judy was number one in drops and um, drop balls, like number one in the league in drop balls. Like, that's just like, you, you can't do that. And I remember, like, so you would think normally, like, throughout the end of the season, stuff like that would not happen as much. But he had five drops week six, five drops in one game, one for which was a touchdown. And I think this has a lot to do with that. He's He has an incredible run after the catch ability. So I think he kind of just picks his head up too quickly and kind of just turns his head away before the ball is even out of his hands. And I think that's something that can definitely be changed. But to your point, Matt, that it was a very disappointing season. And particularly because when Corlin Sutton, Sutton went out, everybody was just so excited to see what Judy's going to do by himself. Yeah, yeah I mean, my back. thing is my... – go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I was going to say Sutton coming back, he's the prototypical alpha, um, bigger body, um, can get up there and get the ball. Um, well, Judy, he can be that other guy. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be the number one. I still think the number one on this team is going to be Cortland Sutton, but you can still have um, two guys producing over a thousand yard seasons. Like look at LA. Um, I'm sure the Bengals are going to be doing it um, this year with Chase and Higgins. Sorry, didn't Teddy Bridgewater, which is could be the starting quarterback, didn't he do it last year with uh, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore? Pretty sure they pretty well, almost certainly did last year. So that's a quarter that they could have. They could potentially do that. Yeah, Judy's. The best pass – or not the best pass catch, sorry. He's the second best option here 
Um, but I mean, yeah, like you were saying, you were disappointed because it's Jerry Judy coming out of Alabama. Um, people having him as the number one wide receiver and the expectations were high and you lay down and so did Drew Locke. I, I'm more pissed off at Drew Locke than I am Jerry Judy. You, you saw flashes. You saw him getting open downfield and there's no connection. So I, I'm not faulting Judy too much. Yeah, the drops can be improved, but the talent's there. It's like you said, talent's yeah, I mean, all. Yeah, most certainly the talent's there. I mean, obviously I was a big fan of Drew Locke coming out of college. Um, he has obviously disappointed me in many ways. Uh, my biggest thing when you break it down into the dynasty aspect, obviously, of this is there are so many quality wide receivers in dynasty in the 25 to 50 range. And it's really not that easy to differentiate whether, you know, the difference between wide receiver 28 and the wide receiver 38. You know, everybody kind of has them shuffled all around. You know, you could get a Will Fuller in the thirties or forties in many rankings and you can get Jerry Judy in the, the twenties. Yeah. You look at the age, obviously when you overall rank them, but just in the next few years, you know, who do you, who, who are they that much of a different talent? And it's obviously not just Will Fuller, but it's, you know, the rest of the wide receiver class. So that's where I kind of stand on him is I, I don't know if he's going to be able to get himself into that top 20 tier where you can trust him week in and week out to be a, a solid wide receiver for you. I think the biggest difference, and we've said this multiple times, it's going to be the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And one thing to keep in mind, it's there's no concrete proof that's going to happen, but Deshaun Watson has said he does want to play for the Broncos. If Watson goes and he's a starting quarterback for the Broncos next year, because I don't assume he plays there this year, if he's their starting quarterback, Judy and Sutton and every single option on that team is going to skyrocket in value. So it's something, you know, if you believe that in your heart that that could happen, you know, maybe you go for Judy now. And like we said earlier, Julie, Julie right now is he's kind of cheap in terms of he was disappointing last year. So yeah. maybe you can get him for less than you're thinking. Yeah, I don't have him in like the top 15 or anything. I have him at 22, so pretty close to Matt. But even there, I still think he's cheap right now because it's just like, like you saw the college production, all that hype. It's like, all right. People are a little lower on him than they were last year, so this is probably the cheapest before a boom if it ever does come. Yeah. All right, Matt. Um, we'll take you on for our next one. Why don't you tell us what number six consensus is? Oh, sorry, number five consensus is. Number five consensus is T. Higgins. He is my personal number three. I mean, you guys know how much I like this guy. Uh, you know, obviously, Jamar Chase was drafted there. They have Joe Mixon. They have Tyler Boyd. Um, I really don't think any of them overall, though, are really going to hurt each other too much. Uh, they're going to be a a team that still is more than likely going to be playing from behind. And the production and the target rate, I mean, he, he saw 108 targets last year in an offense that yeah, I mean, you can say you're adding Jamar Chase to it, but they took away A.J. Green. And A.J. Green, no matter how bad he really was last year, he demanded a lot of targets still. It's not like he his his production matched his target rate. He still saw a lot of targets. I expect T. Higgins to, you know, do I expect him top 10? No. But I expect him in that top 20 range to put up as a wide receiver too. The talent it really is, and this is why I have him number three for me, is I think he 
he kind of is the next tier right, right below the true overall wide receiver talents of uh, Jefferson and Lamb, which is what they can do as a wide receiver. Higgins, uh, excuse me, Ayuk, he's a, he's more of a just raw talent. I see Tiggins as more as a raw talent wide receiver, if that makes sense to you guys. Uh, you know, it, it, six receiving touchdowns. The, the one thing I want to see him improve on is his catch percentage, 62%. You know, you can kind of account that to Joe Burrow going down a little bit, uh, the overall QB play. I'd like to see his target to catch radio, uh, ratio improve for sure. Um, but overall, I mean, he's a big target. He's going to go up and get balls. He's going to be trusted in the red zone. And, you know, he's a guy that, like I said, do I see him top 10? I don't know about that, but I wouldn't be shocked by it. Not at all. Yeah, um, I'm kind of with you here. I have met four, actually, not even five. And he's my wide receiver 13 in Dynasty. So I'm, Jesus Christ. I am not off this train at all. Um, Everything Matt said, he's very talented. And Chase coming in, I love Chase. I have him even higher than 13. But, um, yeah, it's Dynasty. He's connected with Joe Burrow, who showed that he's going to be one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the coming years once all the old guys retire. Um, come, coming back um, healthy next year with Chase and Higgins, I feel like both of them could put up a 1,000 yards like we just talked about with Judy and Sutton. Um, he averaged 15.1 fantasy points in games where he had over an 80% snap share. So he's producing when he's on the field. Um, you really have him as a 13th, uh, like overall yes. in Dynasty. Yes, I do. So for Matt, I, mean, I don't think you know this for all the listeners. Joe, would you like to tell people how many concussions you've had in your life? I don't know how many. <laughs> exactly. Uh, more than five, I believe? I have no idea. Okay, yeah. I believe it's over five. So, you know, take everything he says with a grain of salt. But that's okay. No, you know what? I don't, I don't even have – I have them around 15. Uh, you know, I mean, after hearing Joe, maybe we need to talk some trade or something like that. But, I guess uh, so. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, the, the talent's there. And my biggest thing with that offense is, like you said, Joe Burrow's growing, and they're just all going to grow together. Uh, I don't really see Chase and him taking away from each other. I think the offense is just going to be good overall and they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're all going to get the, their share of, you know, opportunity. Uh, and I kind of just see them Higgins growing from where he is. And I don't know really what his ceiling, his ceiling, I believe is as high as you realistically can put it. You know, it would he, would I be shocked if he ended up as a top eight wide receiver going forward? No. Am I putting them there? I don't know about that, but his ceiling is as high as really any other wide receiver in this class. And I know that's saying a lot. Will he reach that? Uh, Maybe it's a little bit less of a chance, but again, he's someone like Judy where like, I don't think he's really getting the respect that he deserves in the fantasy world because there's so many other middle of the pack wide receivers, but you know, he's 22 years old. I mean, you know, we're all in our mid twenties. Think about where we were at twenty at twenty two. He's just entering his prime. Not even close. I mean, he's still got years until he really enters his prime. And you know, the ceiling is really endless for him. 
See, so I don't I don't want to make it sound like I'm not a T. Higgins fan because I am. But my whole thing, like I me, mean, like like last year, right? He was great. So like the weeks he actually played with Burrow, so the weeks he actually played the full time after the injury, basically weeks ten to two. Uh, sorry, weeks two to all the way to ten. He was obviously a fifteen. So I'm, I mean, I'm a fan. Like he had a bye week during that time. So like I'm, I am a fan of T. Higgins. I don't want to seem like I'm not. I do have him in my dynasty wise. I think I have him at twenty three. Well, I don't remember my rankings top of my head, but I believe at twenty three. And my biggest, my biggest problem with that is because I actually love Boyd. I love Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd is severely underrated. Well, he was, and now Chase is actually going to hurt that. And Boyd is there for the next three years. Like, before Chase got there, if you told me both of these guys can have over 1,000 yards, okay, over 1,200 yards, both of them, sure, okay, I would have bought that. But with Chase there, I think it's going to hurt both of them. And until Boyd leaves, which, again, his contract expires in three years, I don't foresee Chase – I don't foresee um, T. Higgins being any higher than a low-end wide receiver, too. I think consistently he'll be around that around that 24 to 28 mark until Tyler Boyd leaves. And when Boyd leaves, I can definitely see him going into the top top 15, I would say. Like, but this again, this is in three years. I think I think Boyd really kind of caps what he can actually do and what he can actually bring to you. Yeah, I forgot yeah, you were if you break if you're breaking chase into if you're bringing chase into it, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head how many targets AJ Green got. But it's definitely probably pretty high per, you know, on a per game rate, uh, you know. So he finished if I had a guess, wide receiver. Over for the- yeah, so he finished wide receiver thirty in half PPR, wide receiver twenty eight in full PPR. You know, just assume now you're going to bring Burrow back for say, let's just assume sixteen games, and you assume that T Higgins is going to grow as a player and get better as a player. I think it's pretty fair to say that it's he should at his floor is to say wide receiver 25. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Matt, yeah. So AJ Green had 104 targets last year. And and so, I mean, all those, those targets, they're going to be split up. Like Chase is going to have that and probably more. And then, you know, as I, a I rookie though, I mean, maybe going forward as a rookie, you don't know if he's going to, he's going to hit that 105 mark. We don't know for sure. And then, you know, whether it's one, two, or three years from now, we don't know for sure. If, I mean, you assume that Tyler Boyd's going to be here for the next three years, but we don't know, especially yeah. if, if Jamar Chase does blossom into what people expect him to be, and they have two stud-wide receivers, and they're on that brink of, all right, we need to find our way to get into a playoff contending role. You know, do they need that third receiver? Maybe not. Maybe they use him as trade bait, you know, down the road, but – I still think his floor at, at worst is wide rec- a wide receiver three, and his ceiling is a high-end wide receiver two, probably. For right now, yeah. I mean, we have to remember that Mixon missed about half the season. I think a little more than half the season. He's going to come back, and he's a great pass catcher as a four running back. And, I mean, and something that probably only plays to affect this year, they have arguably – the worst schedule in terms of playing defensive teams because the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns are in the division twice a year. And these teams are great at defense. We saw towards the end of the year, their, their defense is pretty damn good. All three of these teams. And so for this year alone, I just, I don't expect him to be any more than wide receiver, wide receiver three can consistently. He'll, he'll, he'll hop into the wide receiver two. He'll probably have a wide receiver one, you know, a few weeks here or there, but this week, this year alone. And then until Boyd is gone, that's just, that's just where I think about it. Yeah, I forgot Yusuf was so in love with Tyler Boyd. Um, so I'm not shocked at his reaction to all of this. Like I, I think Tyler Boyd's a very talented athlete, but come on. 
You got T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. They're just a whole league above him. And Joe Burrow going back and with Jamar Chase from his LSU days, I would not be shocked to see Chase putting up some Justin Jefferson-like numbers. And that Cincinnati defense is hot garbage, so they're going to need to chuck the ball left and right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's where I kind of stand at them. They're going to be an offense that's going to be throwing the ball a lot, and, you know, they're all going to get their share for sure. People are excited for this offense, even though the team itself is not going to make much noise. They're going to probably still lose a lot of games, but they're going to um, still be very exciting to watch week in and week out. Speaking of another team that's going to be really exciting to watch, same division. Similar similar team in terms of the wide receivers being, you know, three top guys. Uh, number six, Chase Claypool. Matt, want to tell us a little bit about him? Because I know this is also one of your guys. Your three favorite guys that I remember you wouldn't shut the hell up about was Claypool. Yeah. And they all, they're all pretty, pretty damn good. I don't blame yeah, them. I mean, I was I was big on this guy out of Notre Dame. I mean, he is he is a tight end in a wide receiver's body. That's the best way to, way to put it. You know, you look at uh, – Kelvin Benjamin and the Devin Funches of the world. <laughs> they Chase Claypool is what they they hoped they could be, uh, size wise and what they do at wide receiver. He was a wide receiver nineteen and a half PPR, wide receiver twenty three and full PPR, hundred nine targets. His catch percentage is is low. It is a little alarming. They do have two other good receiving weapons that he is competing with. But one thing I really did like is they used him as a rusher around the goal line. And, you know, there's just simply not many wide receivers that get that type of consistently consistency uh, around the goal line as rushing attempts. And so if he can if he can get you one, two, three extra touchdowns a year at minimum, basically, as a rusher, never mind what he can do with his size and his physical uh, physicality as a wide receiver, it's really, it's, it's endless. His raw talent is there. My biggest worry is what is big Ben going to be? What is the wide receiver, uh, the QB position in Pittsburgh going to be? Uh, you know, they obviously drafted the animal in Najee Harris. What, what is this offense going to be? What's their character going to be? Are they going to be a pass for us team, a rush for us team. I still think they sling the ball 35, 40 times a game. Uh, you know, so I expect Chase to be in that wide receiver three range for the most part. Yeah, Matt, you said basically everything I was going to say. I, I was physical specimen, really. Like everything about him you said I, I wanted to say. I will add that he was drafted in the second round. And the biggest one of the reasons why, not just his college production, but his combine was just fucking wild, man. 89th percentile, 40 yard dash, which is a 4.42. 99th percentile speed score, 91st percentile burst score. And I'll tell you what all this means. All this means that he's a fucking animal. Um, he's got 6'4", 240. No one's done this. No one's had those metrics since Calvin Johnson. Like, um, at being, you know, being 240, 6'4", no one's had that. No one's ever done it since Calvin Johnson. The only person you could compare to that was DK Metcalf. But DK Metcalf's metrics were, were the, I mean, they were probably the best we've ever seen in the league. He destroyed every single thing he was at. And DK Metcalf's the guy who finished the wide receiver seven last year. And I believe that Claypool's ceiling could be as good as DK Metcalf. And I, I would love to have somebody, you know, as, as Claypool right now, who you could probably get, I would say mostly he's probably around the wide receiver at 20 to 15. I, I would love to get that. And eventually if that could turn into a DK-ish player, so maybe a top 10, 
That'd be incredible. Yeah, he's got the nickname Maple Tron because he's Canadian and he's got the same build as like Calvin Johnson. So, I mean, it all makes sense. He's got that alpha build and athleticism. Um, just because he's compared to Calvin Johnson, it's not, don't say I'm, don't think I'm saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's got that superstar potential. Um, Matt did mention uh, the Steelers' quarterback room is nothing. I think the three of us could compete for that backup job right now. Um, so there's a little concern there, but I am with the both of them. I, I have him as wide receiver 23 in Dynasty right behind Judy. I think he's insane. He's He's got it all. Um, there was only one game where he had over um, an 80% snap share, and that game he only had six targets, four receptions, and only came out with 9.4 fantasy points. So it was not that great when he was on the field for that game. Maybe something went wrong that game. I'm not too sure. I didn't look too much into it, but I just looked at the box score stuff. And, I mean, he did score a lot of touchdowns, so he might be regressing to the mean. Um, games where he didn't have a touchdown, he averaged 7.2 fantasy points. So there, there might be a little concern there with the touchdown scoring. But, I mean, like I said, he's just a freak. Yeah, the- yeah. I mean, most definitely. his. My comparison for him out of college, believe it or not, was the infamous Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> uh, just body just body type. Oh, I, hope not. I mean, Hernandez was 6'2", 240, 250 range, and Claypool was 6'4", 240. You know, his his talents there, his if he was in a better long term situation in Pittsburgh, we would have him probably top four, no doubt. You know, you put him with a Joe Burrow going forward, he's in that range. Really why he is only the only reason why he's so low is because of the uncertainty uh at the QB position. I I hundred percent agree. He would be my number three in this class. Um my number three ranking right now. If Big Ben wasn't, you know, probably out the door. And one thing to keep in mind, I'll leave you off with this, was that Jerry Judy only signed a one-year – not Jerry Judy, sorry. Um, Juju, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, he only signed a one-year deal with um, with the Steelers. And he's going to be gone next year. He wants to leave, and if he does, that just leaves Claypool as probably the number one. He, he has that body type. He has everything else, all the metrics to be the one, and he most likely will be the one. All right, Joe, you want, you want to tell us who else could be the one on their team next year as well? I'm going to tell you who is the one on their team next ah. year. That's uh, LaVisca Chenault Jr. for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, nothing crazy happening too much because of what the Jacksonville Jaguars were last year. The worst defensive team ever. Yeah, not great. Um, but he is getting a giant upgrade with Trevor Lawrence. I think you guys might heard him. Um, compared to Gardner Minshew, Mike Lennon, and Jake Luton, that is fantastic. Um, I mean, nothing crazy stats-wise because of what we just talked about, but he did have two top 24 fantasy finishes, and one of those two, he was top 12. Um, he only commanded 10-plus targets once, never went over 100 receiving yards. But, again, what have I said? His quarterback sucked. Um, Urban Meyer's been loving this guy. He's been just hyping him up as compared to DJ Chark, just not the same story told Chark to put more weight on, and he doesn't seem happy with Chark, and this could be Chark's last year. Yeah, I don't mean to interrupt, Joe, but Chark, at one point in the offseason, he was rumored that a trade had gone through that he was with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. And then the owner came out and said, no, 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 that's not true. I think the GM may have said something as well. But Chark, they want Chark out, and Chark is also on his last year of his deal. 
So that's probably the only, only person that could really compete with them. I mean, this last year, they brought in Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is older. He has two years left, but he has a buyout after next year. Anything can happen. And then lastly, Urban Meyer. As much as I hate him for what he did to my uh, James Robinson. Every week we talk about James As much Robinson. as I hate Urban Meyer for what he did, um, he had Percy Harvin and he had Curtis Samuel in college at Ohio State, and he utilized them beautifully. And this is exactly how he's going to use Chenault. Chenault last year, among all rookies, he had the most um, – he had this. He had the most broken tackles, the twenty-two missed tackles, and this is only through thirteen games. He didn't. He didn't even play the full full amount, and so I think I think he could be really special. And Keenan Cole is gone, and just I, I think there's a lot of room for him to be the number one alpha on that team. Yeah, he is an animal after the catch. He's a big dude. He'll run you right over. And uh, yeah, I think next year is the year. We don't have to wait for Chark to go. It's it's this year. Yeah, I mean he he's right where he's supposed to be at number seven. He's got talent. Uh, is it where the other, I'd say, top six are? I, maybe. It's a little bit more of a long shot, but the talent's there. He's in a better, much better position. Uh, ideally, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to step in and be a top 10 guy, and he can grow with him. Uh, you know, in terms of who he's competing with, obviously Cole's gone, uh, and he, you know, he's competing with Chalk now, and he's competing with Jones. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I expect him to bring other people in if that those guys are gone. So it's it's not like he'll never. He'll just automatically become the number one next year. But you know, he he the door is open basically for him. That's the best way to put it. The door is open. If he wants to take it and run with it, he can take it and he can be, you know, a top thirty, top forty guy consistently in this league, in the dynasty football league at least. Uh, and, you know, that's basically where it is with him. He, he's dynamic. He can run the ball. He can get in and out of his routes pretty well, pretty consistent. Uh, it's really just, is he going to take that next step forward? That's where it is for me. I think I, think I speak for all three of us in that LaVisca Chanel was clearly our last one. And there's a clear tear break between him and the other wide receivers he spoke about before. And it's not that he's not yep. good, but the other guys are just so much better. I mean, between Claypool and Higgins and – the other guys, they just their head and shoulders above him. But that's not saying that Lucas uh, Chanel is bad. That's just saying that the class in general is so damn good. Yeah, one of the best riders yeah. in the class we've seen in a long time. So it's really not. Uh, it might be one that we ever see. Yeah. It probably is one of the best running backs class we've ever seen too. Yeah, Taylor Swift, Dobbins, Clyde Gibson. I mean, Acres. Yeah, yeah I, was I forgot. Uh, tremendous amount of talent that came in the NFL last year. That's for sure. But all right, guys, um, thank you for listening. This is um, so all we're going to be covering for today. Um, Matt is going to be with us for the foreseeable future until Ian, you know, has a situation figured out at home. But for right now, um, Matt's going to be with us, and we'll go on from there. Yeah, it's great to have you along for the ride here, Matt. You did a great job. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Anytime. Love you guys. Cool. Go Hawks. All right.